It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Brandon, we've reached the part of the year where the mock trades are just getting silly. It's like Christmas for us. Yeah, them armchair GMs do be wildin'. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. I'm Brandon. That's Matt. Sorry, I'm going to stop talking all, you know. uh, All choppy. Chunked like that. Yeah, yeah, all choppy. Um, But yeah... As Matt said in his intro, we are getting into mock trade and armchair GM season. You know, it's time for you people to shine. So we're, we're really excited for that. We actually have some hockey to talk about. We actually have some good hockey to talk about for this week, um, which, you know, we were kind of getting frustrated and running. You know, we didn't have much to talk about, you know, good stuff for a couple of weeks there. Uh, we've kind of been down on the way the Hurricanes have been playing for a while. Um, but they went 3-0 this week, or since we last spoke anyway. Um, since that disappointing loss to Florida, I- I'd say they put forth three pretty good efforts. Um, the Philly game, maybe not so much, but that was a literally matinee back-to-back, which is literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And, and the third game in four days, game in four days against, right? you know, two tough opponents. And then Philly is a tough team to play on a back-to-back because of how they play. Yeah, it just, it, it was kind of what would have been a scheduled loss in other years. Um, but I think, and this year, you know, with where the team is now, I think that's a very, very impressive win to pull off, especially when you don't play your best. Um, but we'll talk more about the Philly game in a minute. Um, I like the Nashville. I thought the Nashville game was probably one of their more complete 55 minutes of the year. <laughs> um, well, and, and in both of those first two games, they kind of showed – that propensity to let a team back in a little bit, which maybe is to some degree a concern. You know, you can really only fault the team too much when they let in an occasional empty net goal, but to let in two against them and then, you know, have Pittsburgh come back from a multi-goal game, like it's becoming a little bit of a pattern that may be a wee bit concerning, just a wee bit. But otherwise, I just think, you know, the Hurricanes have reunited SAT. The defense is still could use an upgrade, which again is something we'll talk about. But I, I thought it was a really workmanlike week where they got three wins they really needed. Um, yeah. Yeah, and two against Metro opponents, which we haven't really yeah. seen the Canes play a lot of the Metropolitan Division this year yet. I thought that Pittsburgh game really was probably one of the more important wins of the year. And, and you can obviously see that just because they're fighting for the top spot in the division. But I just think, especially coming off losing every game to Florida this year, 
you know, Pittsburgh's another team that's kind of like in that top tier that they're probably going to have to go through in the playoffs. And, you know, they're not going to be worried about the, about the fact that Florida sucked them in the regular season come playoff time. Rod Brendamore is going to have them focused and, you know, realizing that it doesn't matter at all in the grand scheme of things. You would have liked to get one probably going into the postseason, knowing you might have to go through them. But it's not the end of the world that they didn't in the regular season. But then to bounce back and beat a very, very good Pittsburgh team on the road, I, I think that's something that's probably going to be good for the confidence heading into the postseason. I agree. And I mean, I guess I guess we'll start with the Nashville game, right? I felt like the, the Nashville game was a lot less close than it was on the scoreboard. Yeah. The Canes, I, I think it was what, 4 1? Yeah, it was 4 1. Point? It was 4 1 at one point. Five minutes left in the game. The Canes just, the entire game were just dominating the Predators. The Predators were being physical. And that was about it. Um, the, the Preds are one of those teams that's going to wear you down. And like, I'm going to be honest, if Nashville wasn't a playoff team this year, I would absolutely be trying to get Tanner Janot from them. I mean, he's having a career year. Yeah. yeah. But my God, is he a noticeable presence every time he's on the ice? Yeah, the 15 goals definitely make him stick out. But everything he does really does scream perfect fit just very fast forechecking physical player yeah and so you know the, the the canes did make it interesting at the end they for three games in a row they did it against florida they surrendered an empty net goal they did it against nashville twice and then they did it against pittsburgh granted that was on the penalty kill because i think it was ian cole took another penalty <laughs> late uh, so three games in a row where you give up an empty net goal. And then, yeah, the Philly game was ugly. It wasn't Cole, by the way. He didn't play against Florida, uh, Pittsburgh. Oh, it wasn't. Who was it then? Uh, was it Trocek? Shay. Shay. Oh, okay. And, okay, so no, I'm not going to harp on him. Shay has been really good lately. I think mm-hmm. you're getting – now that he's, like, this is a normal season, none of the seasons he's been here – uh, before this one had been normal right so this is like the first year where he can you know adjust to the lineup and he's playing some of the best hockey of his career in my opinion yeah um i, I still do find it kind of funny that he had 39 points as a rookie um and 147 hits man like his rookie year stat line was like super super impressive and and the Rangers did think they had a new star defenseman on their hands at that point in time. I remember specifically, and he didn't quite turn into that guy. You know, he, he, he's in the role he's supposed to be in here in Carolina as a second pair defenseman. Um, but yeah, Shea has been fantastic this year and, and the points are just an added bonus to me. Like, yeah. you know, he's really short up, but him and Pesci have probably been the most reliable defensive pairing for the hurricanes this year. Actually, I don't even think it's probably, I think it's definitely because. Yeah, it's a definite. Cause uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what you're getting with Jacob Slavin and the one thing before I talk about Slavin, actually, I want to mention that the Rangers did a really bad job of deploying Brady Shea. Yeah. Under their coaches. So that, that kind of has to do with it as well. And now we're seeing like, yeah, he's a good defenseman. Right. He's not the number one that I think people thought he was going to be when he was breaking into the league, but he is a very capable three, four guy. Right. And so again, going back to it, Slavin. Yes. 
Very good. You know what you're getting from Jacob Slavin every night. However, (laughs) (laughs) this season, it has been Slavin's responsibility to carry an anchor around his skates in the defensive zone. Yeah, to cover for the mistakes of not only Tony D'Angelo, who, and this is the thing, and I want to say this, and it's not me hating on Tony D'Angelo for his politics, all you right-wingers that are going to be in our comments, all pissed (laughs) off about it, I'm sure. Hits are not defense. Fights are not defense. Like, hits can be important, right? But at the same thing, just because a player hits people doesn't make them useful. You can actually make an argument for the opposite because especially like, D'Angelo is a fiery guy, which is a blessing and a curse at times because sometimes he'll get himself out of position chasing down a hit if he gets hit a little bit himself. Like he'll go as after the guy. As we've seen multiple times this year, and it always ends up in the net because <laughs> he leaves somebody wide open in the slot. <laughs> And this is the NHL. Players aren't going to miss, barring like a ridiculous save, they're not going to miss from that spot. So D'Angelo's been an anchor in the defensive zone. When Slavin was paired with Ethan Bear, I thought that was our best pairing in transition. I think Ethan Bear is a really good player. I'm still confused by his whole bear confuses me. He's a, he's a, he's a really good player in transition. I think there's some offensive potential that has not been tapped into this season. What worries me about bear is he has these moments where he'll just make like the biggest mental lapses. It's a lot like Jake Gardner, really. And it always seems to come back to bite him, much like it did with Gardner. Every time Gardner made it. There is new Jake Gardner in that sense, yeah. Um, And for me, I never understood the Gardner hype. I don't think he was fantastic with us ever. This is just my opinion again. Like, I think Gardner was fine, but the problem is, like, you know, you're paying him that money to be just kind of okay. Ethan Bear's cap hits a lot less. And but he doesn't bring the same level of offense that I think you know right. we need, and and it kind of brings me back to the point where I I still think the biggest issues with this team right now are the penalties that they're taking, especially man, like yeah Ian Cole was punched in the back of the head like four times against uh, Philly, and so he fights the guy, but then all of a sudden you've got four defensemen right. for over five minutes of hockey. Yeah. In fairness to Cole on that one, like I think McEwen basically just started punching him and he didn't really have a choice in the matter. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like Cole right. got punched in the back of the head like four times. He's going to have to retaliate. But again, though, sometimes he just takes a really dumb penalty. Yeah. Trocek has done that too Florida. a lot this year. Svetch has taken a lot of penalties this year. Yeah. Or he's starting to take more penalties as of late. is starting to take penalties all the time. It's weird. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, I want to talk about Natchez in a bit because you DM me the other day and I didn't respond because I wanted to think about it first. Okay. Um, the penalties are still an issue, but I think what the bigger issue is is that you need another stable presence on your third pair. I think if Ethan Bear was in your top six cons- or in your top four, 
he'd be fine because he can play with, you know, the Slavens or the Pesci's or whoever. Right. Problem is he's playing with Ian Cole or Brendan Smith. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I'm curious. I want to know if the Canes, and this is going to be interesting because obviously the Canes were called Jalen Chatfield today. I'm wondering if Chatfield draws in. For one, I wonder if, if it's both Smith and D'Angelo that are still hurt. Right. Or if one of them's healthy, which one it is, because that's going to impact who plays and who sits. So the defense and the penalties are the biggest issues with this team. I think the depth scoring has been really good lately. Kokanami's playing really well. Yes, he is. Um, Trochek's line has been, you know, inconsistent, but at the same time, like, They've had their really good moments. Absolutely. Jordan Stahl's line has been excellent. They have been. Jordan Stahl's come, he's been playing really well. And I know his goals aren't really like, <laughs> right. Like he's like, or anything, but <laughs> congrats to, to Jordan Stahl on, on scoring with his uh, knee <laughs> master of ceremonies. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> it I, I looked like it either way. hit him. <laughs> and it, it looked like it either hit him on like the inside of his thigh or hell yeah dude it got him right in the downstairs um but so like his line even and you know what though stall i think for the past like month or so has played really well and yes his line is finally starting to like get rewarded for that play yep like i've like fast all year fast has had a great year nino has been excellent, excellent. all season yep. long like so they're finally getting that depth scoring. I, I do think the second line has been a little weaker lately, but then again, you know, Trocek had a gorgeous, I mean, just 10 out of 10 pass on the overtime winner against Philly. I want to play by Pesci too, man. Jeez. I know Pesci to, to knock that pass down and to put it past. I mean, it was Martin Jones, but still Jones has been a notorious Canes killer. I think in like five games, he's like four and one like a nine two six, which is you know very on brand for the canes right yeah considering he hasn't posted a save percentage over 90 in like five years yeah i was gonna say um that was honestly when i heard that he was starting i was like crap because <laughs> <laughs> it's like we always like ab- we make carter hart look like you know an echl goaltender which right. like, a lot of teams are doing nowadays but yeah. when he was but playing like, well they were still doing it I had to yell at my cat. Sorry. Yeah. That look on your face is terrifying. No. Oh. I just saw the look on your face and you mouthing the words. So. Yeah. (laughs) It was horrifying. So anyways, it's it's one of those things where the Canes always, usually it's a New Jersey backup goalie, (laughs) but they always tend to make backup goalies look really, really good. So. Anyways, that's my take on the past three games. I think the Philly game was one that, you know, it was a tough game situation-wise. Shouldn't have even been a makeup game in the first place. They should have played that game back when it was originally scheduled. Yeah, but, it, was, it was like the Flyers had like three guys in protocols. So they were like, oh, we're just going to postpone the game. They had three guys in protocol. One guy returned, which would have given them enough to ice a full lineup and have a healthy scratch. Yeah, I thought it was something stupid like that. It was like a University of Michigan thing where they canceled their series against UMass or 
it was either UMass or somebody else, like a, a really good NCAA team because they were missing players. But the problem is like, or no, it wasn't UMass. Sorry. They canceled a series against like one of the top teams. I think it was in their conference because they were having players out for the world juniors. But the problem is they still had their starting goalie. They had like half of their starting defense and guys that had been rotating in all year and had enough to ice a full complement of forwards. So it's like they had a roster and they still canceled it because they didn't want to lose to a good team. They didn't want to play without power and cues. And yeah. And UMass, meanwhile, I've played, I've watched them this season. They played a game with like missing like three players. BU played with four defensemen and like 10 forwards one night. Jeez. So it, it kind of felt like that where yeah. Philly is just not, I don't know. That felt a little weird to me. Like the protocols were very inconsistent there, but it is right. what it is. The Canes won the game. Yeah. Yeah. A really good week. Again, I like where the offense is at right now, especially. Um, Svechikov continues to play at an extremely high level. And, and you know what? In that Philadelphia game, I think it was definitely one of the five worst games of the year for both Aho and Svechnikov. I don't think either of those guys played well. Svechnikov made a great play on the Terravining goal, looked really good there. Um, but he, he, I don't think he had a good game at all otherwise. And Aho, I'm not sure I've ever seen him fight the puck quite like he did that day. I mean, he had a couple of great A's that he, like, just completely fumbled. And he just had an off day. It's fine. Yeah, he had Certainly an off day for it. sure. But I'm just, I'm just – the reason I'm even saying this is to say it's even more impressive that the Hurricanes were able to pull out that win when they were clearly, you know, kind of had the cards stacked against them and did not have their A game whatsoever. Yeah. So, looking ahead, we've got two home games this weekend, one against the Blue Jackets, one against the Edmonton Oilers. So, you know, the Blue Jackets obviously are one of the worst teams in uh, the Metro this year. Currently sitting, I don't know, they're, wow, they're actually fourth. They've actually been playing some pretty good, I was going to, I'm surprised to hear that they've climbed to fourth, but I do know they've been playing some pretty good hockey lately, and Patrick Laine has been red hot. They're 8-2-0 in their last 10 games, actually. Yeah. Currently, the Canes and the Blue Jackets are riding a three-game win streak. I don't know if the Blue Jackets play between now and Friday. I'm guessing they do. Everybody else's schedule is so damn condensed. This is like the only break. It's another thing I wanted I to mention. This is like the Hurricanes' last multi-day break of like the entire year. I know. It's kind of crazy. Um, the Flyers, I did not realize, are on a six-game losing streak. Yeah, they were on a long streak during that game. I, I remember yeah. that saying that. A Which of times. actually paces the, or no, it doesn't. The Sharks are are losers in their last seven. But so then you've got the Edmonton Oilers, who are currently like as of this recording, third in the Pacific, tied with LA and Anaheim. Anaheim has played in three more games than the Oilers, so this is. V- this is a pivotal game for the Oilers because they're going through it right now. <laughs> Fired their coach and just. They haven't got quite the same look out of their new coaches. Uh, Montreal has Martin St. Louis. Yeah. You can <laughs> tell that this is one of those teams that if they don't shape up soon, there's going to be more heads rolling there. And so. 
it's going to be one of those games where the Canes should win. And I say should because, like, you know. It's the NHL. You never know. It's Again, it's the NHL. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And we always seem to play well against Edmonton. We do, because Slavin shuts down McDavid. <laughs> exactly. But the, these are the teams that, like, you know, you need to put beneath you and you need to show – you need to basically set the example in that game, in a right. way. And it should be a home. Yeah, well, we already said it was a home game, so yeah. Um, yeah. So it's going to be a fun environment. I, think, I was actually I looking for tickets to that game. I would. Lo- I don't think I've ever seen Connor McDavid in person. It would be fun, fun one to go not. to. All right. Uh, before we move on, tracking the storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. Basketball fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill dunk good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team to win, and get $150 in free bets when they do. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and up. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK at 467-369. Brandon, I think we need to talk about Martin Natchez because you, you said you, you were talking about him during the Philly game. I, from what I watched, he was having a rough game and I missed the entirety of the third period on because um, I was driving home. So to me, Natchez is struggling right now. I think he's losing a lot of confidence because, you know, there are still some moments where he'll like dazzle you with his puck skills and absolutely all the skills in the world. Yeah. He, he sees the ice better than everybody else, but he's prone to a lot of mental mistakes. And I almost want to call them lazy mistakes. Yeah, he can and, get a little lazy. He can be guilty of trying to do too much. Like I swear to God, if I see him make one more no look behind the back pass <laughs> in the defensive zone, I'm going to rip my eyes out. <laughs> yeah, and to provide a little more context, I, I I was like just frustrated as hell watching him, and I was like, he has no hockey sense, and that was like you know an exaggeration. <laughs> but but. You know, like he was saying, or like Matt's getting at now, like I think it comes down to he's not having as good of a year as he probably wanted to, especially knowing he's a restricted free agent this summer, right? Trying to make himself some money, and it hasn't gone his way. And to your point, I, I think he has, you know, just had these mental lapses. And it's not from a lack of hockey sense. It's just from, again, trying to do too much, probably being frustrated, probably – um I feel like he's still kind of trying to define his role on this team almost Um, because, you know, 
We've seen Aho become, you know, the team's best player. We've seen Sveshtikov become this premier all-around star. We, you know, you have Tara Biden, who's like the two-way force, and all these guys, and they just is like, you know, supposed to be right there in that mix is like this young, up-and-coming, speedy, offensive, you know, star. And he's not quite there yet. And and I think it's just I, – I think he's frustrated, really. Yeah. I think he is – I think he's going to bounce back. I do too. And this is something we said a million times too, right? Like that year to late sophomore or something. And, but, and, and exactly. Sveshnikov was prone to the bad mistakes last year too. Bad decisions. Like yeah. he made a lot of dumb plays and like took dumb penalties and stuff. And I think we're just seeing the same thing here. And with, with Natchez, I think he has to, I mean, he's, he's a playmaker, right? You know, he can do things on his own individually, but as we've seen this year, a lot of his deeks aren't working out. He needs to play with two guys that can score on his line. And I thought when Jarvis was there, that line was pretty good, but defensively they weren't at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then love Stevie to death, but he's not going to finish some of those passes that Nate just makes. I think Stevie's been playing really well, but again, it, it's kind of similar to like when Martin looks on the top line and you see like his, you know, deficiencies. As right. Like you just see the, player. you see, Oh yeah. Like Natchez and Trocek play a very quick, high paced skilled game. Whereas Stevie creates space and is physical and there's, right. there's a role for that. And I think when Bernard North South it, grinder, that's what he Yeah. Is. When Brindamore puts those types of players on lines with the skill guys, it's because those lines kind of need somebody to create space. Because, like, let's be honest, Aho and Teravainen aren't going to do that on their mm-hmm. own. Like, they're not big guys. And Aho is not going to shy away from physicality. But, like, you know, he can get pushed around a little bit. I didn't love Sveshnikov on that line. But... I like the idea of Nages and Sveshnikov eventually, you know, even if that makes Sveshnikov a second line player, that's two thirds of such a good second line down the road. You know what I mean? Like once Nages bounces back, which I fully expect to happen, like they can create so much magic together. I feel like, so I'm really excited to see how that potentially plays out moving forward. Who that second line center is maybe Kokaniemi could be a lot of fun. Maybe so. One thing we heard today is, According to Elite Prospects transfers, Kane's prospect Dominic Bach has been loaned to Berlin in the German Elite. Borussia Ice Hockey Liga. Yes, which is not that surprising. I'm not going to lie. Bach, and when we talked to Scott Wheeler last week, I mean, you heard him say he's one of the most frustrating players to watch. And Scott, and this was harsh, but not that out of line. He basically said he just feels like Bach doesn't get it out there. He doesn't utilize his teammates well. And as we've seen, since we acquired him, let's see, he played for, I want to say, two SHL teams. He played for Ryan Warsawski last year. And he was pretty good last year in a watered-down AHL, but I think it's fair to note that you know he he had a good year last year that I was kind of – it was promising. And I think what we're seeing is now that the AHL is back to being the AHL, you're starting to see like even Jamison Reese, who had a hell of a year last year, is yeah, struggling. He's not producing like that. Yeah. 
and he's having his moments <laughs> and part of the he's 20 is years like, old and he'll, I still think he'll be fine with his compete level and skill set exactly but. but yeah Bach has been bad I want to say this year and he's been a scratch a lot lately and this is the thing and you know I, I don't want to speculate too much about which players are going but like we have to assume that at least one or two of our top forward prospects is probably going to get traded at the deadline this year. Yeah. Even if that happens, there's a good chance that they won't play box still. (laughs) There's also, you know, the likelihood of the Canes bringing in, you know, say like Noel Gundler, whose SHL contract is up. There's a possibility that he comes to Chicago. You know, you've got other players in the system. Alexander Passion's contract is up. Who knows where he could end up? You've got Vili Koivinen, who is under contract. The Canes could sign him to like a PTO or something, right? You know, bring him in. So, you know, there's a lot of players in the Canes system that are probably ahead of Bach right now, or at the very least, more likely to become NHL players than Bach. Yeah, and at his age, I don't think it's all that surprising, honestly. And, you know, he's 22. He still has time to turn around. He's fairly young, so there might be, like, if the Canes were looking to trade him, for instance, there might be a team out there, like maybe like a handful that are willing to take a bet. Right. But he's not going to be the centerpiece of a deal anymore. So it sucks, I think, because, you know, now we're, we're left with Nikita Guslistov, um lucas mercury and yegor naumov from the falk trade like that's it that's all we got and one terrible season of joel edmondson (laughs) so you know it's not great i think that you know the canes i think gusleistov's probably the best of those three i mean who knows yegor naumov could be really good he just hasn't played we just don't know anything about him. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's hopefully, you know, the Canes can get something for Bach. I, I think if they can't trade him at the deadline, though, or at the draft, he's gone. I can't see the Canes holding on. to. I mean, we've seen, you know, with the Canes, they're not afraid to cut ties with the player. I mean, we saw it with Michael Fora. We saw it with uh, Mikhail Kaykovsky or however you say it like there are a couple players that the Canes have signed that they've you know ended up terminating contracts with Jeremy Bracco and his allegedly hazing stupid self yeah so you know just things like that I think Bach has all of the skill in the world it's just all individual And when you watch him, like you can tell he doesn't know how to utilize his teammates. So part of me is like glad that I won't have to see him play with Ryan Suzuki anymore. Cause it's like Suzuki will make this beautiful pass and then Dominic Bach will try and do too much and turn the puck over. And then the offensive rush is dead. So now we can get into trades. I just wanted to share my piece. All right. Well, Matt and I were having a conversation earlier. Um, Obviously, as we said, the intro it's his trade deadline season. Um, and I'm actually working on a piece right now with the hockey writers. It should be out over the next couple of days. Um, and it's just a little trade deadline history piece for the Hurricanes. Um, and in it, I ranked what I think were the five best and worst trades in the franchise's history. Um, and the reason Matt and I were talking about this is because 
I couldn't really figure out exactly who I wanted in there. Um, <laughs> but we thought it would actually make for some pretty fun content and discussion here on the pod. Um, so I think we do want to, you know, just kind of look back and reminisce about some of these trades the Hurricanes have made over the years. Um, we're not going to go too deep into it. If you want to know exactly what my list is, you're going to have to go read my piece on the Hockey Writers when it is out. So I'll, I'll bring up one, and this one's not going to be in your post because I want people to read it. Um, and this one's recent. This is from 2020, where the Canes acquired Vincent Trocek. I think it's worth looking back at this as one of the better trades of Don Waddell's tenure as GM. Yeah. Because, you know, Trocek wasn't fantastic for, you know, like the 10 games he was with the Canes and then the bubble when, like, right after we acquired him. He was really good last year, though, and he's had a really solid season this year. I mean, as we're recording this podcast, Trocek currently sits fifth on the team in points with 35 points in 50 games, which is really good. And and I love this new feature with Elite Prospects. I can just pull up the uh, projected. He's projected for 57 points and 23 goals this year. Oh, wow. That's really good. So you're getting a legitimate second line center for Eric Halla, who did not re-sign with Florida. Lucas Walmark, who I believe was either didn't re-sign or was traded to Chicago. I can't remember which one. Ito Lusterinen, who's like a solid bottom six forward. And Chase Prisky, who's like a seventh defenseman at best right now. Yeah. So it's like you're trading a bunch of quarters for a dollar. Like Trocek's a legit second line center. And I mean, you obviously don't know if the Canes are going to resign him. He might be too expensive to resign. You know, it's very possible. But getting a guy who's good for 50 plus points for. I mean, at the time, Losterinen was probably our like seventh best forward prospect. Prisky was like our sixth or seventh best defenseman prospect. Yeah. Halla was very clearly fed up with being here and did not gel with Brindamore. And Lucas Walmark, I, I, I don't, I, I've never really understood the love for him. Like, I appreciate you all. Canes fans, I, I think it's awesome that we like fall in love with every single bottom six forward that plays here, but Walmart just didn't do it for me. So Walmart was a really good fourth line center that couldn't score. Right. And so, yes, you trade away two NHL players and then an eventual NHLer in Lusterinen, but you get something way better. Right. So that's my like good trade. It's very recent and there's plenty of other good ones, but you know, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, um, we, you know, we've kind of talked about it, making this potentially something we can do just about every week, um, at least leading up to the trade deadline. Um, but there's actually two that I do want to bring up here. You know, I, I kind of want to take it back a little bit. These aren't <laughs> super recent trades. Um, but the Hurricanes, once upon a time, used a first-round pick on a player by the name of Philippe Paradis. Or Paradis. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know exactly how you say his name, to be honest with you, because he never came anywhere close to sniffing the NHL. Yeah. But the Hurricanes did once, or, you know, 
I guess, realized their mistake pretty early on. Um, he was flipped to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a player by the name of Yuri Tulusti. Um, And as you guys know, it was 2009 that that trade, or that the Hurricanes drafted Paradis, or however the hell you say his name. Um, today, oh, he is parody. I, I think that's probably what it is, because he is uh, from Quebec. Um, mm-hmm. Today, he is playing in the LNAH. Matt, do you have any idea what the LNAH is? I want to say it's like a Quebec league. Yeah, it's in Quebec. Um, I was going to say, I think it, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's, it's not good. I know that. (laughs) For a first round NHL draft pick, I would concur with that. Um, Obviously, Toulouse came over and uh, the first year or two, I don't think he really did much. Uh, He was kind of in a similar boat except for worse than per- Paradi. Uh, he was the first he, he round. Had, he had long and hard stretches of great moments with the Canes. Sorry, that's a reference to why he was chased out of Toronto. Yeah, right. If you uh, don't know the story... <laughs> it's not... It's not um, tracking look it up. friendly, I don't think. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> look it up. But... Anyway, long story short, Tulusi did turn into a key contributor here in Carolina. Yeah. Um, you remember that shortened year, uh, 2012-13, where they played just 48 games. He teamed up with Eric Stahl and uh, Alexander Simmon. Those three teamed up and were actually a pretty deadly line. Uh, <laughs> the Hurricanes yeah. still missed the playoffs and finished well below 500, winning just 19 of their 48 games that year. Um but Justin Peters. Yeah, Justin Peters and Dan Ellis tied for the team lead in uh, starts. So that's how things went that year. But it was a lot of fun to watch that trio. Um, and then you had second line Jordan Stahl putting up 31 points that season. It's just some fun dark time. years in Hurricanes hockey. But um, so Lucy, that, that was still a good trade. You know, you get a player that ended up playing on your first line and scoring 23 goals. And, you know, it was that's like a 40 goal pace in a normal year. Um, Did you know we got Spencer Smallman when we traded Yuri Toulouse? We drafted, we drafted Spencer well. Smallman and Matt Philippe with the two picks okay. we got for Toulouse. Nice. Anyway, um, you know what? I'll just leave it at that one. I'll, I'll save my other one for a later week. Um, was, was it a bad one? No, it was a good one too. But Okay. I was going to say, I've got plenty of bad coming up with the cap-friendly armchair GMs of the week. <laughs> yeah, we can hold off on the bad for now. Um, Brandon, you know, what? I'm just going to get into this one because, oh man. So this one was created and it's basically saying this is the only way they would give up Jarvis or Natchez <laughs> with the first trade. So the first trade is Elias Pettersson for Jesperi Kokaniemi, Martin Natchez, Scott Morrow, and a first which is a lot for a player that's been very, very inconsistent. I'd say for the past year plus. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. This next trade, and like, I'm dreading talking about this because this one hurts me just to see. Brandon Hagel in exchange for Stephen Lawrence... Ryan Suzuki, Tuka Tiexala, our second round pick in this year's draft, 
and our first round pick in next year's draft. Dude, that's like a package for Kane. That is, that is, Brandon Hagel is a third line NHL player. At best. <laughs> He's a good one, but he is a third line NHL player. You're upgrading you over Lawrence with your best forward prospect, another lottery ticket, probably not great odds of making the NHL prospect, but still one with a lot of talent. And then your top pick in each of the next two drafts. That's yeah, you're trading pick. a fourth line forward, your top forward prospect, and essentially three magic beans, albeit high quality magic beans, for Brandon Hagel. <laughs> That is... I don't hate the Pedersen trade, if we're being totally honest. Um, I, it's expensive. And I, think I think it's, you can it's get a him little cheaper. much. Yeah, I think I think it's a little much. You could at least take, like, Morrow out. Um, if you want to do a first in Natchez, I think you can do it for, like, a first in Natchez. Maybe cooking the yeah. enemy feels like a lot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. But then that second trade is just... That's just stupid. <laughs> it's bad. Um, let's, I mean, so I've got another one. Yeah. What'd you say? Nothing. Yeah, for it. I was gonna say I've got another one here that has four trades, and there's really only one of these that I absolutely hate. But there's two that I'm like, why? And then one where I'm like, I could work with it. You know, the first is, and this is in the why category: Andre Kasha to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Ethan Bear. Why? Just like it, it doesn't make sense for either team. Now that Toronto has the guy whose name I can't pronounce, they don't need. Well, I mean, they still might need defensive depth, but they have at least a defenseman, you know? Lebushkin. Yeah. Whatever it is. The next one where I'm like, why is Carolina acquiring a third round pick in the 2023 draft from Colorado in exchange for Derek Stepan? Again, why? For one, Colorado is one of those teams that's at the top of the league and you don't want to be helping out right now if you're the Canes. Two, he's been good for the Canes. Yeah. I will give this person credit, though. It does say anywhere that wants depth, but the thing is you only trade away depth players if you're selling. The Canes are not sellers. Next, and this is the one where I'm like, this is a terrible trade. Is the Carolina Hurricanes making a trade in the division with uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, trading for Vladislav Gavrikov? I think he'd be an upgrade on the third pair. However, you're trading Jack Drury, Ryan Suzuki, a second-round pick in next year's draft, and your third-round pick, or Chicago's third-round pick in the 2022 draft. So in order to get depth you're trading away your top two forward prospects arguably you could throw Koivin in in there between Suzuki and Drury if you wanted to and two premium picks uh, I mean it's likely that this or Chicago's third round pick is more than likely going to be in the late 60s early 70s the Canes 2023 second is probably going to be in the late 50s, early 60s. Those are premium picks for the Hurricanes. <laughs> like they'll get. Yeah, I mean, you don't when, when you're a team when the Canes have kind of said they're more willing to get rid of their prospect depth right now than they are their picks. Right. It's just a lot to pay for a guy that doesn't really add much, in my opinion. 
and that's coming from somebody that likes Gavrikov as a player. Yeah, I think he's good. Yeah. Just not Drury Suzuki in two picks good. No. So the next one, and this is one, this is one that I think I could work with. Gains trading for Jared McCann and giving up Jamison Reese, Vasily Ponomarov, and their second round pick in this year's draft. Again, hopefully late 60s or early 60s. The trade on its own, cool. If you take it in tandem with the rest of these trades, the Hurricanes, I mean, Koivinen's going to be looking around the Hurricanes forward prospect pool like, why am I the only one here? <laughs> it's it's going to be that Will Smith <laughs> yeah. from Fresh Prince where he's just standing in the empty room. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's just like, on its own, that's a decent trade. I think you could take out one of Reese or Panamarov, and that would still work, I think. McCann's pretty damn good, dude. Is McCann, but the thing is, is McCann a rental? Um, I have no idea. I don't keep up with their contracts, to be honest with you. I got it. I'm looking it up. He is. He would be a rental. Okay. Well, in that case. So, but he's an RFA. Oh, if he's an RFA, then I'd probably do that, Jerry, to be honest with you. Yeah. I got mean, 21 I'm, goals I'm, this year. For a terrible offense. <laughs> and a player that's costing you less, slightly less than $3 million. Yeah. That's why I said I can work with this trade. And I think, you know, I think Reese and Ponomarev is a little rich when it's coupled with the second. But again, if you maybe lower that pick or take out one of those guys, that's a deal I take 10 times out of 10. So again, I can work with that one. I think if the Canes move on from Stepan, I, I mean, it's going to suck. But again, if they replace him with a guy like McCann and keep, you know, Martinuk on the fourth line, like that's a solid team right there, right? So, you know, I don't hate the idea of moving Stepan, just not to Colorado. Kasha for Bear doesn't do anything for me because I, to me, he's just a depth forward on this team. The, the issue I had was the Gavrikov one. Yeah. Um, these are just draining at this point, man. They're tiring. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, they're, they're not all bad. Like, again, I really liked that Seattle trade, but some of these, like they, the, like the Brandon Hagel trade legitimately made me laugh. Yeah. Cause I, I, I know this is a person that's like dead serious about acquiring Brandon Hagel. <laughs> so, yeah. You got anything else for this week, bro? I'm tired. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty tired too. And uh, Destiny 2 Witch Queen came out this uh, week. So no, I'd, I want to go back to playing that. So I know I know uh, when when I asked a question about video games like early on in the season, I think it was Olivia. She was like, video games bad. So <laughs> I'm sorry I'm letting you guys down, but I have to be on that grind this week. I'm sorry. But yeah, so folks... Fun episode. I think, you know, we're not a lot of hockey to talk about right now. We're starting to get into more like deadline stuff because that is the biggest thing coming up. But next week, we do have a guest lined up for you all. We're going to be talking with one of UMass's student broadcasters, Nathan Strauss, who has been following Scott Morrow and Lucas Mercury very closely this season. I'm going to talk with him about Morrow and Mercury's seasons, kind of what they're leading up to or what they're doing leading up to the playoffs and... 
it's going to be a fun interview. Can't wait for it. Folks, as always, we want to thank you for your time. And I don't know if you've heard, but it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.